0: Amen. Do you believe it this morning? Amen. You can be seated. You know, I, I, like Richie says a lot of times, he's the chief reminding officer. I want to tell you, I'm the chief reminding officer for you today. I want to remind you that God is good and that he wants you to walk in victory in your life every single day. And if we will let him, I believe that the Lord's going to bring a new level of healing and restoration and wholeness into your life if you will let him do that today. Now, there are some of you who walked in here today, and, man, your life is going really good. Your bank account is full and running over, and you've just got money running out your ears. There's people in here who've come, and your dog never pees on the carpet, And never poops anywhere that he's not supposed to. And there's people in here who your car always starts. And your kids are always perfectly obedient. And then there's another group of people. These are the real life people. And you know what? Your life isn't necessarily perfect, but it's certainly blessed, right? Well, I have a message for us today and I want to talk to some people who might be in the middle of a circumstance, or an issue, or a trial, and you're, what you're going through, you never, you never saw it coming. And what you're walking through right now, you don't even know how it's all going to pan out in the end. And because of your circumstance, you could be dealing with, you could be dealing with some fear or some anxiety. You might even be questioning whether God even really cares about you but if that's where you are, I'm glad that you're here today because I've got a really encouraging word for you. And we're going to talk about a guy in the Bible who had a lot of those experiences in his life, and I want to tell you that there was a, there's a good ending. I want to encourage you today that even when it rains in your life, the Lord rains. If you don't remember anything else that I say today, can I just tell you that... If you are in a situation, in a trial in your life, can, you, can I just tell you that even when it rains, that the Lord reigns. Even when it rains, God reigns in your life. Amen? So I believe there are some of us who've come in here where we've built walls in our lives and we put some of these walls up ourselves, And they're like fear, worry, anxiety, offense, anger, hurt, insecurity, self-hate, just to list a few. And I want to declare to you today the walls are coming down. You get to choose today whether those walls fall or stay up. But you can choose today because we don't fight from a position. We, we fight from a position of victory because Christ has already won the war. But there are some battles that are in our coming come into our life. And we have to fight those battles And we have to let, actually, actually, God really fights our battles for us, but we have to stand in that position of victory, okay? So I believe there are two different ways that we respond in difficult situations. The first way is that we throw our hands up, we give up, and we become what I like to call have the victim mentality, Now, I've seen a lot of this happen in people's lives throughout the years, and in fact, I've had it in my life a time or two and had to kind of fight my way out of that victim mentality. Anybody agree? Had that in your life? It's so easy, and I've seen people who have had things in their life come at them, and they have five or 10 or 15 years ago, it happened, and they still live like that is happening today. That situation, that issue that's in their life, they're acting like that still happened. And it's kept them from living life to the full. It's kept them living in the past. So their past is not their past. Their, their past is their today. God doesn't want you to live the victim mentality. But that's where a lot of people wind up staying because of unforgiveness. And things like that that we don't let go in our life. And the the second way is that we choose to let God use what the enemy means for harm in our life. And we let him turn it around for our good and for his glory. We stand firm in who God is in our lives and we let God fight our battles for us. Do you realize that when we go through difficult situations in our life, that those are the moments that we tend to to have the most opportunity for growth. When things are soaring and everything is good, that just doesn't seem to be the time that we dig into God like the times that when we are facing the biggest challenges that we've ever faced. So we have the opportunity in those moments to really grow if we choose to. So I wanna talk about a man in the Bible who walked through some very difficult circumstances and how the choices that he made Developed the character in his life that God was able to use him to save a nation. The journey, however, was nothing like what he expected. But God's purpose in his life was accomplished. So have you ever said to yourself, Man, my life looks nothing like what I thought it was going to. Anybody? (laughs) Okay, so you think something's going to happen. And in your mind... In your mind, you have this, this, you've made this video and you've put this thing together and you, you start rolling it out and you're like, okay, so this is how, this is how my life is going to pan out and I'm going to plan it and it's going to go just like this and this is how it's going to end. Doesn't work like that, does it? Our life looks so completely different because life comes at us and we have difficulties. We have things that come into our life that shape and mold us that we could never have planned for right so one of the examples I was thinking about is in my own life is when I was younger I had prophetic words spoken over me that I was my voice was going to go around the world that I was going to sing all over the world and stuff and, and a, in, in a way that I did that because we traveled for seven and a half years all over the United States and we, I, we got to go to Africa I learned a couple of songs in Swahili which I could not even even begin to sing to you today because I don't remember them but I got the opportunity to do some really great things, but when we resigned that ministry to go into the local church ministry the i had we had they had made a video, and um, that video, which was let me just tell you how dated I am it was VHS tapes so back in the day when they made VHS tapes and then it became dVD um, but my voice was on, I got to sing and be a part of that, that recording, and you can actually Google it or whatever, YouTube it or something, because I've had people in the church send me these little videos but, um, that I'm still singing, but that, that particular video has gone literally into nations and worlds that I would have never been able to go into, and so it didn't look the way I thought it was going to look, although I got to be a part of, part of that, it still went beyond what I could have even... Try to plan or imagine. Now, did I get to go to all those places? No, but the prophetic word that said my voice would go all around the world is actually has come to pass. So that's just a little example. And then I was thinking about um, when we started the church. Man, we had some pretty high ideals of how this thing was going to go down. Can I just tell you? It looks nothing like the vision I had in my mind. Because it doesn't it just doesn't look like that. You just think everything's gonna be super smooth, we're starting to church, everything's gonna be good, it's gonna be easy. Well, no, not so much. Not so much. Things I mean, things are really great. I'm not trying to paint a dim picture, but I just it just wasn't it just didn't lay itself out the way that I pictured it in my mind. I thought everybody I invited to church would come, and no, they haven't. A lot of them have. But not everyone. So that's kind of some things that I was thinking about in my own life that have kind of gone a, a different way than I expected them. And, you know, we're going to look at the life of Joseph. Now, if you know anything about church history or the Bible, very much of the church the, uh, stories in the Bible, Joseph is Jacob's son. But he's not just any son. He's Jacob's favorite son. So you know there's going to be problems. So I want to start in Genesis 37 and verse 2. It says, this is the account of Jacob and his family. When Joseph was 17 years old, okay, we're going to pause there for a second because how many of you made awesome, incredible decisions at 17? Oh, come on now. We got somebody right here. How many of you would say, I got it right at 17? Man, I was so smart. I was laying it out. I had everything under my belt. I knew what I was doing. Okay, so I was going to say, if we had any 17-year-olds, they'd probably raise their hand, but no. When Joseph was 17 years old, he often tended his father's flocks. He worked for his half-brother, the sons of his father's wives, Bilah and Zephah. But Joseph reported to his father some of the bad things his brothers were doing. Okay, so first thing we find out about Joseph is he's a tattletale. Nobody likes a tattletale, right? So how many of you guys had a brother or sister that they were tattletales? Okay, I'm seeing some hands going up. I'm, su- I'm surprised my sister doesn't have her hand up. <laughs> Okay, so I was thinking about this. When I was younger, mom would go, and she would have to go do some things for my dad, run some errands and do some stuff for my dad, and she would leave me in charge because I was the oldest. So I was in charge, but apparently I was not a very nice big sister. I kind of like to take the control thing to a whole nother level. So when they weren't doing what I wanted them to do, sometimes I'd take their little face and squeeze it, you know. Have you ever done that? Like, you're going to do what I tell you to do. And so then, but then when mom would come back, then my brother or my sister would tell that I had been mean to them. So I'm sure that, I'm really sure that I told on them, but nobody really loves a tattletale, right? But um, Jacob, let's go to verse 3. It says, Jacob loved Joseph more than any of his other children because Joseph had been born to him in his old age. So one day Jacob had a special gift made for Joseph, a beautiful robe. But his brothers hated Joseph because their father loved him more than the rest of them. They couldn't say a kind word to him. One night, Joseph had a dream. Okay, let me just pause and say this, that I believe that God speaks through dreams. I don't believe every dream is from God, but I absolutely believe that God does speak Through dreams in our lives, I've had some pretty amazing dreams, some pretty crazy dreams, scary dreams sometimes, but then I've also had dreams that I knew when I woke up, like, I need to write this down. I think God is trying to tell me something through this, and I have journaled those things before. Well, we're going to see that God is putting a dream in Joseph's heart, and there's some people in this room that God has put a dream in your heart. He's put a vision in your heart. God's given you an assignment, and he wants you to accomplish it but you're going to endure some resistance just like Joseph is about to. So in verse five, it says, one night Joseph had a dream and when, his, when he told his brothers about it, they hated him all the more. Well, that's just awesome, isn't it? They already hate him, but now they hate him all the more because of the dream. Some people will hate you just because of the dream that God has spoken to you. And one of the most unrealistic Things that we can expect is that everyone is going to understand what God has spoken into our lives. You have to realize, I mean, I was thinking about this. It, if Pastor Richie had not followed the dream that was in his heart, we wouldn't be standing here today. This is part of a dream, a God given dream that was given. to to pastor richie and to myself but to him first and then i was got an agreement with that dream and and god then started putting things in place and we're now here because of a dream so verse six says this listen to this dream he said we were out in the field tying up bundles of grain suddenly my bundle stood up and your bundles all gathered around and bowed low before mine now that is an awesome dream if you're joseph right? He's like, this is going to be really awesome because my bundle is standing up and yours are going to be bowing down. So verse 8 says, his brothers responded, do you think, so do you think you're going to, you will be our king? Do you? Do you actually think you will reign over us? And they hated him more, they hated him all the more because of his dreams and the way he talked about them wow. Have you ever been around somebody who like God's given them something and seriously, they will not shut up? I mean, they're like, seriously, like you, you're really, you're wearing me smooth out. So if you don't mind, just keep that to yourself. But Joseph didn't have, he didn't have that in him at this point because you have to remember God had put this dream in him and he's the one who, God had put the dream in his heart. He's not making this up, right? He articulated it the wrong way, but we have to give him grace because he's 17. God is giving him these amazing dreams, but he's not smart enough to keep those dreams to himself. So he tells his brothers who already don't like him about these dreams, and it begins to create an offense. His brothers begin to get offended with the dream that God has put in his heart. Verse 9 says, soon Joseph had another dream. And again, he told his brothers about it. Listen, I have had another dream, he said. The sun, the moon, and the 11 stars are going to bow down before me. So at this point, it's not going too good for Joseph. In fact, things are about to completely fall apart for him. Because the story continues, and Jacob sends his older son to pasture their sheep. And after they've been gone a while, we don't know how long, probably a few weeks, he sends Joseph out to check on him. And we have to remember, Jacob's sending him out there because he knows that Joseph is going to report the truth back, right? So if he's doing something they're not he's not supposed to be doing, they're not supposed to be doing, he's going to let his dad know about it. So he's his dad's favorite, um, But his brothers can't stand him, and he has no idea his world is about to be turned upside down. Genesis 37, verse 18 says, When Joseph's brothers saw him coming, they recognized him in the distance. As he approached, they made plans to kill him. So, Houston, we have a problem. Because God had put a dream in Joseph's heart, But he had some people around him that not only didn't understand that dream, but they became hostile to the dream. So they're like, let's kill him. Verse 19 says, here comes that dreamer, they said. Come on, let's kill him and throw him into one of these cisterns. And we can tell our father a wild animal has eaten him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. It's amazing what an offense will do when you let it fester in your heart, right? Now they were angry with Joseph and they were mad at Joseph, not necessarily because he told on them or not necessarily because he had a special coat or that he was the favorite one, but they were offended at the dream that God had placed in his heart. And their plan was to do what with Joseph? They're gonna kill him. But you know what? They wound up not killing him. And do you know why? Because when it rains, the Lord reigns. When it rains, the Lord reigns. And even when things seem out of control, we have a God who is completely in control. Amen? Amen. So they throw him into the cistern, and they're all getting ready to kill him. But then the Bible goes on to say this in Genesis 37, 25. As they sat down to eat their meal... They looked up and saw a caravan of Ishmaelites coming from Gilead. Their camels were loaded with spices, balm, and myrrh, and they were on their way to take them down to Egypt. So I was thinking about this verse. So they sat down to eat their meal. And I'm thinking, Joseph's like sitting in this dry well, and they're sitting down to have dinner. That's so, like, there's just so casual about the whole affair, you know? But they decided not to kill him. They said, let's sell him. Have you ever wanted to sell your brother? or your sister. I have not. I have not. But just want to make that clear. Um, But they said, let's make some money out of this thing. So let's reflect. Joseph was a tattletale. He has a nice coat. He's boastful about the dream. He's his dad's favorite son. And if you're looking from the outside perspective, you're like, he's got it coming. Right? He's 17. He's probably super boastful about the dream. He's probably not shutting up about the dream. He's probably taunting them with it a little bit. And they're probably like, We have had all we can take. I was thinking about this. Have you ever been in a restaurant and there's like a little kid? He's, you know, a little kid, and he's like literally throwing a temper tantrum. Like, arms and legs are flailing, screaming is going on, the kids are like seriously, and the mom is trying to get get the child back, like calm back down, but the child is having none of it. I've actually witnessed this before, and you're just like, oh my gosh, that poor mom, you know, and he's like, by the time it's over, like the kids like slapped her in the face, and I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to go help this lady, you know, and you just, you're refraining yourself like, from going to help that lady and the dad is sitting there and he's kind of taking it all in and he lets it go on for a minute and then he wipes his face and he pulls back from the chair and he's like he takes the child in his hands and he heads to the bathroom and we all say he had it coming (laughs) right we're all like "Mm, he had it coming to him right well, if we're not careful in the Christian world, we're, we can see someone going through a difficult situation and we can say, you know what? He had it coming. Or she had that coming. Not understanding the whole story. And can I say that it is the epitome of arrogance to speak into a situation where we do not know the whole story? Because while. While we might be tempted to judge what Joseph was going through, God had Joseph on a journey to take him from the prison to the palace. And he wanted to do something spectacular in his life. So God had a plan that neither his brothers nor Joseph himself knows anything about or how it's going to unfold. But it's not going to look anything like what he thought it was going to look like. He could have never dreamed this up, right? He had some big dreams, and he, at the beginning, he has some pretty amazing dreams, and he's going to be somebody, and he's telling his brothers all about it, and um, things are going great for him because he's dad's favorite. He's been given favor and blessing by his father. Things are good, and then straight out of left field, he's completely blind, blindsided by his brothers who strip him of his robe. I mean, he's probably walking up to him just with singing zippity-doo-dah, zippity a, you know, walking right up to him and completely caught off guard that they, they take, take him and strip his rope from him and throw him into his cistern and then they're going to kill him. I'm sure he's really going, okay, wow. He's probably thinking like, okay, God, where are you? What's happening to me right now? There has to have been a mistake. You've got the wrong brother. Have you ever had a circumstance or an issue completely blindside you, and you feel like the breath has been knocked out of you, and you question God? And I feel like Joseph probably felt that way. His life is instantly turned upside down. But God, but God was working. God was orchestrating, God was putting a plan together that was a plan for saving a nation that Joseph had dreamed about, but he had no clue what it really meant or what its true purpose was, but God knew. God knew the process, he knew the journey that he would take Joseph on that was going to develop the character in his life that he would need to literally save Egypt, Israel, and the entire region of that part of the world from starvation at the time. But he didn't just go from favorite son to second in command overnight. It was a long process, and it included, it included betrayal, slavery, false accusation, prison, and then the palace. So, I want to ask you a question today. Could it be that God has purpose for your pain? Could it be that God has purpose for your pain today? Could it be that God wants to use what the enemy has meant for evil in your life and he wants to turn it around and he wants to use it for good and for God's glory? Could it be that God is preparing you for something incredible and there's a journey, there's a process that he is going to walk you through to develop the character in your life that he needs you to have in your life? Because he has to develop who you are before he can give you the promise. Genesis 39.1 says, Now when Joseph had been taken down to Egypt, Potiphar, an Egyptian who was one of Pharaoh's officials, the captain of the guard, bought him from the Ishmaelites who had taken him there. The Lord was with Joseph so that he prospered, and he lived in the house of the Egyptian master. Now, I love this. In verse 2, it says, the Lord was with Joseph. Do you have to see, even as being sold as, as a slave, that the Lord was with Joseph, and that he prospered him even as a slave. The Lord was with him even when he didn't realize that God was with him. It's, it, God was very specific that he let, his, let us know that the Lord was with him even when he, was sought, when he was bought as a slave. So two things to consider before we move on is first, at the end of the story, you're going to see that Joseph is going to be put second in command of the entire land of e- nation of Egypt. And if you're going to be second in command, what's something you're going to know how to do? Maybe you're going to need to know how to, to uh, lead an army. Maybe you're going to need to learn how to lead the captain of the guard. Maybe you're going to need to know how to do military tactics. Where is the best place for you to learn that? What about in the house of Potiphar, the captain of the guard? How to lead the army, how to to do military tactics? I think it would be in the house of, of Potiphar. The captain of the guard. Maybe God is not punishing Joseph here. Maybe God is preparing Joseph for something that's greater than he could ever have imagined. And maybe in your situation today, God is not punishing you for what's happened in your life. He's preparing you for something that's more immeasurably more than you could ever imagine or think. And secondly, in this situation, God never turned his back on Joseph And Joseph never turned his back on God. And how do we know this? Because Potiphar had a wife. We're going to call her Hotiphar. Genesis 39, verse 7 says this. Now Joseph was a very handsome and well-built young man. And Potiphar's wife soon began to look at him lustfully. Come sleep with me, she demanded. But Joseph refused. Look, he told her, my master trusts me with everything in his entire household. No one has more authority than I do. He has held nothing from me except you because you are his wife. How could I do such a wicked thing? It would be a great sin against God. So even in this strenuous situation, even when God has... I placed a dream in his heart and circumstances don't go his way. He did not turn his back on God. He honored God. I'm saying this today to hopefully encourage somebody because maybe you've been tempted to give up and maybe you've been tempted to give in and maybe you've been tempted to throw in the towel. But I want to encourage you today. I want you to know that don't ever give up on a God who's never given up on you. Because greater things are on the way. She keeps she keeps pursuing him, and she grabs his coat, and he does the wisest thing that he could do. He runs as fast as he can out of the house. I mean, he runs. He runs as fast as he can, and in fact, she grabs his coat, and she lies about what really happened, and she tells her husband that Joseph has tried to rape her, and Potiphar gets very angry, and he throws Joseph into jail, into prison. You see, Joseph did the right thing, and bad things happened. So one of the myths that we can fall into believing is that um, if you always do everything right, if you do things right, then you're never going to face any trials. Not true, right? Right? All of us have trials and persecutions and things that come into our life, and it talks about that in the New Testament. Those are made, those are, we walk through those to develop the character and the perseverance inside of us so that we can become all that God has called us to become. In Genesis thirty-nine, nineteen, it says, When his master heard the story, uh, his wife told him, saying, This is how your slave treated me. He burned with anger. Joseph's master took him and put him in prison. The place where the king's prisoners were confined. But while Joseph was there in prison, the Lord was with him. He showed him kindness and granted him favor in the eyes of the prison warden. Okay, so you have to hear this again. The Lord was with him and he showed him kindness and he granted him favor. So once again, he's been put into prison and he has been given blessing and favor and the Lord is with him. Can we admit in Joseph's life, it's raining in his life? It's pouring in his life. There is a flood going on in Joseph's life. I mean, here he was, the favored son. And then he goes from favored son to his brothers wanting to kill him. And then they sell him. And then he's a slave. And then he's promoted. But then now, all of a sudden, his wife, the wife accuses him, falsely accuses him. And now he's put even into a worse place. He's put into prison for something he did not do. Consider these two things, that God never turned his back on Joseph, and Joseph never turned his back on God. And secondly, that Joseph was one day going to be put second in command over all of Egypt. And in order to be second of command in all of Egypt, he was going to have to know the political language, the political landscape, the ins and outs politically, and what is the best place for you to learn about the good and the bad of politics. Would it not be in the king's prison where political conversations are happening every single day? Once again, we see that God is not punishing Joseph, but that he was preparing him to go to the next level. So maybe... You're here today, and all hell is breaking loose in your life. It is not the punishment of God. It is the preparation of God, because even when it rains, the Lord reigns. Amen? Amen. So later on, there's a couple of guys who get thrown into jail, and this whole story, you should go and read it all in Genesis because the whole story is just really good. But um, I'm just kind of giving you the Cliff Notes version of it. But later on, a couple of guys get thrown into jail. One was the cupbearer, and the other is the baker. And we don't know why they're thrown into jail. We just know that they are thrown into jail. And they're there, and they have a couple of bad dreams. And Joseph knows a little something about dreams. So he walks in and he sees their faces downcast. And Joseph asked the cupbearer, what's wrong? And he said, well, I had a bad dream. And Joseph said, well, tell me your dream. So the cupbearer tells him his dreams. And Joseph says, good news for you. Because in three days, the, the Pharaoh is going to realize that he has done you wrong. And he is, going to, he is going to give you back your job. And he's going to put you back in the place that, where you were. And so he's going to give you back your job. So, but he says, when you get placed back into that job, would you please remember me and tell Pharaoh that I'm here and I'm not here under good circumstances and I'm trying to get out of this place. He's like, absolutely. Got your back. I'm going to remember you. No worries. I'm going to let him know as soon as I get out. So he made a promise that he was never going to forget. So the baker gets excited and he goes, I'm going to tell him my dreams. So he tells Joseph his dreams. And man, Joseph's like, man, I'm really sorry, but this is bad news. Like, in three days, like, the king's going to have your head. You're going to die. So, sure enough, what Joseph said is exactly what happened. In Genesis 40, verse 23, it says, The chief cupbearer, however, did not remember Joseph. He forgot him. So, the cupbearer, after all Joseph has done, has forgotten about him. And the reason I want to bring this up is because there are some people in this room that might feel that you've been forgotten by God. But once again, in the middle of the situation, you, ne- you, you may have never seen it coming. Five, ten years ago, you never would have picked the situation in your in right now. What do you do when you never saw it coming? Let me tell you what you do. How long do you hold on to the dream that's God spoken into your life? You hold on until Jesus takes us home. And you hold on and you hold on and you hold on because God is not a man that he will lie. He is not a God that he should lie. His word will come true. You just have to believe what his word says. Philippians 1 says that he who began a good work in me, he will bring it to completion. So we hold on to the dream that God has put in our hearts. In Genesis 41 verse 1 says, when two full years had passed, Pharaoh had a dream. He was standing by the Nile. Now, he has some really crazy dreams. If you've read this, you know. He's like, sickly cows start eating some healthy cows. And then he wakes up, and he goes back to bed, and he has another disturbing dream. So he calls in all the magicians and all the people who know anything about dream interpretation. He calls them in. And, but they can't interpret the dream. And all of a sudden, this cupbearer's like, oh, snap. I remember like there's this guy and I was in prison a couple of years ago and there's this guy and he and, you know, me and the baker, we had this, we had these dreams and he interpreted them, and exactly what he said came true. So they go, go get this guy. So they go, they clean, they clean Joseph up and they bring him into Joseph's presence and, and uh, into Pharaoh's presence. And he says, Pharaoh said, I heard that you can interpret dreams. So I'm going to tell you my dream. And I want you to interpret it. And I love what Genesis uh, 41, 16 says. I love this. It says, I cannot do it, Joseph replied to Pharaoh. But God will give Pharaoh the answer that he desires. I love that Joseph is still holding on to God. He's not turned his back on him. And Joseph's like, God has put this dream in my heart. And as long as I have... Breath in my lungs, God is going to bring it to completion. And Joseph has not turned his back on God. You know, it's really just a great reminder that when things seem over our head, they are still under his feet. And he really is in control even when things seem to be the most out of control in our life. And he is greater than anything or anyone that could ever try to come against you or me. So Joseph interprets the dream and everyone was silent. So Joseph saw the opportunity and he spoke up in verse 41, 33. It says, and now, Joseph, and now let Pharaoh look for a discerning and wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Skipping down to verse 37, it says, Joseph's suggestions were all well received by Pharaoh and his officials. So Pharaoh asks his officials, can we find anyone else like this man so obviously filled with the Spirit of God? Joseph tells Pharaoh exactly what his dream means, and then he gives, goes on to give them the solution and how to prepare for an upcoming famine. Do you think Joseph would have been able to come up with all these solutions without being in Potiphar's house or being in the prison? I don't know. I mean, I know God could totally do it, but I also think there's a process and a journey that he uses to teach us how to do it. He would not have had the wisdom and he would, if he wouldn't have served time in the king's prison to deal with the issues the politically that he was going to deal with. So you see, sometimes when we think God has us in slavery, he's actually shaping us for something greater than we could ever imagine. You see, at the beginning of this story, He never saw what happened to him coming. He was completely caught off guard walking up to see his brothers. He was completely caught off guard how they stripped him and threw him in the pit and all the things that happened to him as they sold him off. He never saw that coming, but do you know he never saw this coming either? He went from a flood to favor in an instant. He went from the prison to the palace in a moment. He went from being broken down to being made brand new in an instant. You see, God was doing something significant in his life. And do you know that God is not punishing you? God is preparing you. Where is God in your storm? He's right beside you. Y'all saw that, didn't you? I'm all trying to get serious in the whole nine yards here, but where is God in your storm? He is right beside you. He's never left your side. He will, he's never left you. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. If he has to, he's going to pick you up and carry you in his arms. If he must, he is not going to abandon you. He never will. He can't. His word is that he will never leave you. He will never forsake you. So here's my question to you this morning. How would we know he's a healer if we're not put in situations where we needed to be healed? How would we know that we need a provider, that he's a provider, if we're never in a situation we needed to be provided for? And how would we know that he's a sustainer if we're not put in situations where we need his strength to sustain us? Sometimes we're looking at this in the wrong way. Say, you came came to church today to hear that God is not punishing you. He's preparing you. He's preparing you for something greater than you yourself could ever imagine or think. And God does not bring bad things into your life. You need to hear this. But he will, in fact, turn everything that the devil has meant for your harm, and he will turn it around for your good and his glory. That is absolutely 100% the truth. If we remember, at this point, there becomes seven years later, the, there's the famine that comes into the land. And if we go back to the beginning of the story, Joseph had told his brothers, I have a dream. You remember what his dream was, is that you guys are going to bow down to me one day. They tried to kill him. God had a plan. Then there was a famine in the land and they, they had to go down to Egypt to purchase food or else they were going to starve to death. Actually, the whole, the rest of the story of redemption is absolutely amazing. And I don't have time to go into it today, but you should go read it this week. It just is so encouraging how Joseph loved his brothers who betrayed him. It's a beautiful picture of the love of God. And Genesis 42, 6 says this. Now, Joseph was the governor in the land and the person who sold grain to all its people. So when Joseph's brothers arrived, they bowed down to their faces to the ground. Now God got him to the place where his dream did come true. God just didn't take him on the path that he thought he was going to walk on. And God is getting you to the place where your dream is going to come true. You just are not on the path you thought you would be on. It's during those times is when we have to realize that God's ways are not our ways. And his ways are higher than our ways. And his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so I want to close with praying over you. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.